Matthew chapter 6, verse 16. In this chapter so far, Jesus covered three main things because they're the foundation of the believer. He covered giving, prayer, and today we're going to look at fasting. Verse 16 says, Moreover, when you fast, be not as the hypocrites of a sad countenance, for they disfigure their faces that they may appear unto men to fast. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. But thou, when thou fastest, anoint thine head and wash thy face, that thou appear not unto men to fast, but unto thy Father which is in secret, and thy Father which seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. For a subtitle today, I want to preach or teach on this thought, When Fasting Fails. When Fasting Fails. Lord bless you as you're seated today. I believe I'm safe in saying this opening statement, but fasting is one of the least enjoyable Christian disciplines. But it can be one of the most productive and beneficial disciplines. I don't know of anyone that gets excited about going on an extended fast. I just, I'm not saying they're not out there. I haven't met them. I'm not one of them. I wish I could tell you I was so spiritual that, I love fasting, but I'm human, just like you are. And your flesh does not love fasting. Usually, a extended fast is met with drudgery because fasting is not something that's enjoyable to the carnal man. The very concept of not eating sends some people into a state of shock. How can I function without food? Don't they know how hard my job is? Breakfast is the most important meal of the day. You've heard that before. The truth is, and this may sting today, as Americans we have warped the eating process into something far different than what God originally intended it to be. The whole purpose of eating is sustaining life. And we've turned it into a pleasurable event. Some people, there's two ways to look at it. Some people eat to live. And some live to eat. God designed you eat to live. You sustain life. But I'm one of those people growing up, I base everything off of where I'm going to eat. One man once told me, he said, brother, there's only so many meals you have in life, I don't want to waste one of them. And I would be eating breakfast thinking about what am I going to have for lunch? What am I going to have for supper? What am I going to have tomorrow? That's just how my brain was wired. 
I just always loved eating. It was one of the only classes I did good in school was lunch. We think we have to have three meals a day to live. But you don't. They said, somebody once said, well, you got to eat. I was reading one of them books. I think it was the Abs Diet book. And uh, don't even waste your money on it. It, it said, you got to eat six meals a day. I said, I'm good. I got this. They didn't tell me what size meals to eat, so I'd eat six meals a day. And then they talk about meal prep, and I was picking with my wife, and he has little containers with, you eat only this much. And I said, how many donuts can I fit in this little thing right here? We're going to squish them down and see. We snack between meals. Calorie consumption becomes increasingly harmful as our bodies are trying to process. You know, your body, just like your body needs sleep, your body needs to rest on the inside. And, 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 and always eating never gives your body a rest. But the pace of life has changed so much that now we're taking in more than we're burning. There was a day when they worked in the field all day and they burned a lot of calories. I did a little study. The word breakfast is actually a compound word derived from the words break and fast. Years ago, many farmers and loggers and people that worked in those strenuous jobs, they didn't run to McDonald's. They didn't, they didn't have food readily available. They'd work hard from sunlight up take a, a break, lunch was made, they'd go eat lunch, go back to work. When they were done working, they'd come in, they'd eat supper around 5, 36 o'clock, and then they would fast all night long through the evening, through the night, and, and, and on to lunch the next day. And, and, and they figured, you know what? Let's, let's break our fast because that's the longest time without food. Let's break our fast with something light. And so they started eating oatmeal or toast or something light. And it was called break fast because they broke that long extended period of time to get their bodies waking up. Well, we have put, the, put it together and we call it breakfast. And now some people eat more calories at breakfast than they eat for lunch and supper. This is not a nutrition class. I'm not. The, I'm the last person to get up here and talk about nutrition. Okay, but we have made eating something far different than what God intended, and now we become addicted, addicted to food. We err in our excessive eating more than any other discipline. Listen to me. Fasting reveals the things that control us. You want to know whether or not you're addicted to food, go on a fast. You'll find out real quick how addicted you are. You may think that your flesh is under subjection, but you won't really know how much until you go on a fast. I used to think, and, and, and while I was studying, I, I actually asked God to forgive me because I messed up in what I'm fixing to tell you. I used to think, well, I'll fast from media, or I'll fast from water, I'll just drink Coke, or I'll, I'll fast from something. 
But the word fast is actually derived from the Greek word nasi to you or something like that. It literally means to abstain from food. So if you say, I'm going to fast media, you're saying, I'm going to fast food. I'm going to do away with food. You can't fast anything other than food. You can abstain from media. You can abstain from things that bring you your flesh pleasure. But if you use the word, I'm going to fast, you are literally saying in the original Greek definition, I am going to do without food. That's fasting. The reason we choose to abstain from things like media or different things, yes, we need a break from it. It's really because we don't want to give up food. I know some people have to have food to take medicines, all that kind of stuff. I'm not sitting here trying to clothesline anybody. But you don't need a, a full-course meal to take medicine. I understand you have some to... So, all right, I'm meddling here. The Jews fasted often. They had four annual fasts in commemoration of, number one, the capture of Jerusalem, Jeremiah 52 and 7. The burning of the temple, Zechariah 7 and 3. The death, the death of Gedalion, Jeremiah 41 and 4. The commencement of the attack on Jerusalem in Zechariah 8 and 19. In addition to the four annual fast, they also had many occasions that they fasted. And on top of that, the Pharisees' custom was to fast two days a week. So they had a whole lot of fasting going on. I, in fact, I dare say that very few people fasted more than the Pharisees. But they wore it as a badge of pride. And Jesus, of all people, was not impressed, and he called their bluff. Why? Because they had wrong motives. The thread that's woven throughout the Sermon on the Mount is wrong motives. Everything with God is about motives. Thus, their fasting was considered a failure. All they did in the spirit world was miss meals. And I'm just of the opinion, if I'm going to fast, I want it to count. If I'm going to miss meals, I want to make sure my motives are right and that it's going to, have a, it's going to benefit me in the spirit world. You may not be a Pharisee, but your motives can be Pharisaical. So Jesus says, moreover, when you fast, be not as the hypocrites of a sound countenance, sad countenance, for they disfigure their faces that they may appear unto men to fast. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. The one thing the Pharisees did when they fasted, they made sure everyone knew they were fasting. They wanted that applause of men. They had a sad, wearisome countenance. They wanted the admiration of the people. They wanted bragging rights. Yet everything they did was shallow. In essence, we could call their fasting a failure. 
When does fasting fail? I'll tell you when it fails. When your motives are to impress people instead of drawing closer to God. That's when your fasting fails. My question is, whose approval are you wanting when you fast? There's no commandment in here to fast this many days or fast this month or or whatever, whatever you choose to do. There's no commandments. So it's a personal thing out of a willing heart that you're going to do on your own or as a corporate body to draw closer to God. So this is what he says in verse 17. But thou, when thou fastest, anoint thy head and wash thy face, that thou appear not unto men to fast, but unto thy Father which is in secret, and thy father which seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. Fasting is a direct attack against self-pride. Pride wants the recognition and the opportunity to impress people with how spiritual you are. But that's not the whole purpose of, 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 of fasting. Psalm 35, 13, but as for me, when they were sick, my clothing was sackcloth. I humbled my soul with fasting, and my prayer returned into my own bosom. Fasting is the humbling of the soul. What's the opposite of pride? Humility. So fasting is a direct attack against personal pride. But if you're not careful, even in your fasting, your pride will rise up because you start wanting people to know I'm fasting. Here's what the Pharisees, here's where they got it wrong. In their eyes, a fast was an outward sign of an inward condition. But to Jesus, a fast was an inward sign of an inward condition condition. To Jesus, it was all about secrecy. It wasn't about uh, trying to gain people's approval. Here we have Pharisees who their custom was to wash their bodies and anoint their bodies. They had certain garments they wore. They were very disciplined in the washing and the anointing of the body. But here's what would happen. Whenever they would fast, they wouldn't change their clothes. They'd spread, they'd spread ashes all over their body. They wouldn't anoint. And they did this so everyone would know it's an outward sign of their fasting. Oh, look at them. They're in ashes. So Jesus said, hey, when you're fasting, Keep doing what you normally do. Wash your body. Anoint the head. Don't act like anything's different. Now this may, I'm going to get on some toes, but just it, it'll be over just as quick as we get started, okay? I've heard, I've called people before. Hey, you want to go grab my teeth? Oh, I can't. I'm fasting today. Okay? There's other ways to get out of things without telling people what you're doing. Thank you for the invitation, but I think I'm going to pass. 
You don't think about you as fasting. Now, I want to deal with this. Being seen fasting and fasting to be seen are not the same. Being seen fasting is, mere, is a mere external event. Fasting to be seen, as Jesus means it, is a self-exalting motive of the heart. There's a difference. You can be out in public and someone say, uh, you, you, you don't, you're not going to eat anything? Or you want to eat something? And say, oh, no, thank you. I, I'm, I'm fine. I'm fine. You don't have to go into details that this is day number 32. You don't have to tell them all that. Just say, oh, thank you. Being seen fasting. You cannot, if, unless you fast one meal, just stay in your house and avoid people. If you do any type of fasting of an extended time, you're going you're gonna to have to go through the daily grind of life. You're going to have to get out and mingle around people. But you don't have to do it with a sign held up. I'm fasting. Don't ask me to lunch. You don't have to. Being seen fasting is not the same as fasting to be seen. Some people fast to be seen. And they want everybody to know, don't call me this week. I'm fasting. We're talking about motives of the heart. Motives. Why are you fasting? There's been times because I'm human. I'll be with someone and, you know, we use, we use the old adage, well, I'm, I can't tell nobody I'm fasting. Now, listen, use wisdom, okay? Make sure your motives are right. If it's somebody from another church that understands the nature of fasting and what it is, just say, hey, look, no, we're on a church-wide fast, blah, blah, blah. But if you're out with someone and they say, oh, you're not going to eat? Well, I might as well go ahead because I'm not supposed to tell them that I'm, I'm fasting. I've been there. We find every little reason to break a fast. You know what I'm talking about. Fasting is about motives. You can do more fasting one meal in secret than fasting a week in public and letting everybody know it. I'd rather make that meal count. Or that, 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 in fact, a lot of times in the Old Testament, they would fast until the sun set, and then they'd eat an evening meal in, the, in, in, in Israel's days. So we've got to understand that, that fasting, we've got to make sure it works for us. Jesus said, how be it? This kind goeth not out but by prayer and fasting. Prayer and fasting are like oil and gas in a vehicle. It takes both to make the vehicle do what it's supposed to do. And if we're going to be who God called us to be, it's not by prayer alone. It takes prayer and fasting. Fasting expresses a hunger for God. It doesn't create a hunger for God. People, people sometimes say, well, I'm going to fast because I want more of God. Fasting doesn't create anything. It expresses. It's an expression to God that I want less of the carnal man. The absence of fasting is the measure of our contentment with the absence of Christ. I'm just going to be honest with you. God worked me over on this because I do not, I'm not using the word hate, I do not like fasting. I don't like it. 
But I take comfort in the fact that neither do you. So I don't feel so bad about it. But if you read the book of Acts and you read that New Testament, you'll see a lot of fasting going on. All throughout the Old Testament, you'll see a lot of fasting going on. And, and God honors fasting. There's a, a book that I highly recommend called Fasting by Jensen Franklin. And it is one of the best books I've ever read on fasting. And he and his brother used to be preachers, still are preachers, but when they were young preachers, that was back them seven day or seven night uh, revivals, seven days a week. And they would rotate. His brother would preach that night, so he would fast during the day. The next night he would preach, and his brother would fast during the day. And they just rotated every night. That way they could have enough strength to preach. But the miracles that happened during those revivals because fasting was present. We cannot neglect the significance and the importance of fasting in the apostolic church. Prayer is great. But fasting with prayer is better. Fasting makes you how can I say this? It heightens your spiritual senses. The Bible says, they that are led by the Spirit of God, they shall be called the sons of God. We're not called to walk after the flesh. We're called to walk after the Spirit. And you cannot, the flesh cannot discern the things of the Spirit because they, the flesh is carnal. It's natural. But when you start fasting, you start strengthening your spiritual senses. And you start feeling and hearing things that you didn't hear before. It's not that God wasn't speaking. It's that your senses weren't heightened to hear. But when you start fasting, you start increasing your ability to hear and to perceive. Some of the times... God spoke to me the clearest and the crispest was during seasons of fasting. It's not, like, it's not that God doesn't always want to talk. It's that my senses aren't operating at that level to where I can hear the things of the Spirit. Also, fasting does not create faith. Now, it can help your faith, but Scripture says faith cometh by Hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Faith is not created by prayer. It's not created by fasting. It can enhance it and it can build it up. But what faith is created by is hearing, and hearing by the word of God. That's why you show me someone whose faith is really struggling, I'll show you someone that hadn't been reading this word right here. Because when you're taking in the word, you're building faith. You're creating faith. When you're not, when you're neglecting the word, your faith is going to start going down, down, down. Because there's a correlation. Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Isaiah 58 and 3 says this. Wherefore have we fasted, say they, and thou seest not? 
Wherefore have we afflicted our soul, and thou takest no knowledge? Behold, in the day of your fast you find pleasure, and exact all your labors. While they were fasting, this is, this is them crying out, talking to God. In other words, is our fasting in vain? We're not doing any good. And the Lord came back and said, hey, while you're fasting, you're supposed to be killing your flesh, yet you're running to pleasure. You're fulfilling the things of the flesh. Fasting is to kill the flesh. Let me just say it like this. If you're going to take one day and not eat, but then you're going to binge watch 17 seasons of something, you might as well go eat because all you're doing is feeding your flesh. That makes sense? What's the, what's the difference? When you're fasting, you're supposed to be killing your flesh. They were fasting, yet they were running to pleasure. And so their fast wasn't working because they still missed the whole point. The point of fasting is not to miss food. That's not the whole point of fasting. The point of fasting is what it produces, a greater relationship with Jesus Christ. I know people that when they're, when they're fasting, instead of eating morning, midday, and evening, they go read their Bible because it's the bread of life, and they pray just like they would if they were going to a table to eat a meal because instead of feeding the flesh, they feed the spirit. So they continue. Verse 4, Behold, ye fast for strife and debate and to smite with the fist of wickedness. Ye shall not fast as ye do this day to make your voice be heard on high. I studied this verse out, and there was basically two or three camps and contentions, points of contention. And so these people would fast with their group of people that was on their side as if the fasting was going to make their clique stronger. So he said, that's why scripture says, you fast for strife and debate. There's strife among you, and you're fasting so your side can win. You're fasting so your side can gain the upper hand. And you're missing the whole point of fasting. Fasting is not supposed to be divisive. It's supposed to be unifying. So he continues, is it such a fast that I have chosen the day for a man to afflict his soul? Is it to bow down his head as a bulrush and to spread sackcloth and ashes under him? Wilt thou call this a fast and an acceptable day to the Lord? Verse 6, Is not this the fast that I have chosen, to loose the bands of wickedness, to undo the heavy burdens, and to let the oppressed go free, that he break every yoke? So this is what the Lord's saying. This is what the Lord's saying. When you fast as God intends you to fast, It'll loose the bands of wickedness. It'll lift off the heavy burdens and let the oppressed go free. And it'll break every yoke that is controlling you. Is it not to deal thy bread to the hungry and that thou bring the poor that are cast out to thy house? When thou seest the naked that thou cover him and that thou hide not thyself from thine own flesh. Then shall thy light break forth as the morning and thine health shall spring forth speedily, and thy righteousness shall go before thee. The glory of the Lord shall be thy reward. Then shalt thou call, and the Lord shall answer. Thou shalt cry, and he shall hear, shall say, Here I am. 
if thou take away from the midst of thee the yoke, the putting forth of the finger, and speaking vanity. And if thou draw out thy soul to the hungry, and satisfy the afflicted soul, then shall thy light rise in obscurity, and thy darkness be as the noonday. And the Lord shall guide thee continually, and satisfy thy soul in drought, and make, thy, make fat thy bones. And thou shalt be like a watered garden, and like a spring of water, whose waters fail not. And they that shall be of thee shall build the old waste places. Thou shalt raise up the foundations of many generations, and thou shalt be called the repairer of the breach, the restorer of paths to dwell in. So this is what the Lord says in verse 9. If thou take away from the midst of thee the yoke, the putting forth of the finger, and speaking vanity. He said, the only way I'm going to do everything that I'm promising to do in my word from fasting is you got to, the things that control you, the yoke is what controlled the ox. The yoke is what controls you. It may be different from every person, but as long as those yokes stay on you, then you're being controlled by other things. He said that yoke has to come off of you. The putting forth of the finger you know what this is called? Finger pointing. The putting forth of the finger. They were living in a day of a bunch of strife and people always finding fault and pointing fingers. Fasting isn't about fixing somebody else. Hey, I've literally been in churches. I hope they're not watching. But I, they have told me they had problems with people in the church. They told me they prayed and fasted them out of there. Now, that's not the, that's not the purpose of fasting, is to get rid of people. Let me tell you, God's sovereign enough. God can bring people in. God can bring people out without anybody else's help. That's up to God. That finger pointing. People say, well, I fasted them out of here, and I prayed them out of here. That's not what fasting's for. And speaking vanity, pride. Look at me. Look at us fasting. God said, I will not do what I told you I would do until you get all of that under control. Let me tell you what else fasting is not. Fasting is not a way to strong-arm God. Well, Lord, I need this, so I'm going to fast for it. Not what fasting's for. Fasting is to kill that flesh. Now, I'm not telling you when you fast that you won't hear from God. Usually, when you start fasting, that flesh is dying and that spirit man's getting stronger, you'll start hearing from God. But you don't fast to try to leverage God into doing anything on your behalf. God is God. God's going to do what God knows is right. Amen. Stay with me all over the building. I didn't expect anybody to shout during this Sunday school lesson. But you know what? We got to have the word of the Lord broken down for us at times. I love shouting. I love, I love preaching. I do. But instruction is what helps keeps us saved. 
and in your in your alms, your prayer, and your fasting, the three things that I've dealt with the last time, everything in living for God hinges upon the motives for those three things. Why do you give? Why do you pray? Why do you fast? If any of those three can answer, can be answered with this answer to be seen of men, you're doing it for the wrong reason. Everything Jesus said, giving, pray, fasting, is about what's happening in secret, and God will then reward it openly. I encourage you to fast. I'm not telling you you got to fast five days a week or three days a week. I've, t- I've said it before. I prefer cumulative fasting instead of consecutive fasting. We'll just see how many meals I miss at the end of the year and add them all up, and it might be a 40-day. You can laugh. It's a joke. But you know what? If you miss one meal for the sake of drawing closer to God, God honors it. He does. He does. I think sometimes we put more pressure on ourselves because we hear some people come up and say, oh, I was in the middle of a 63-day fast. Or I was in the middle of a 42-day fast. And when I start hearing people talk, throwing numbers around, the first thing I say is, why are you saying it? Why are you saying it? Because if your motives were for to draw closer to God, you wouldn't be saying it out loud. God sees it. But if you're trying to gain everybody's approval, you're doing it for the wrong reason. We need to fast. We need to fast, but we need to make sure that our motives are right when we fast. Amen. Let's lift our hands all over the building. Lord, we thank you for the meat of your word. Jesus, we want to make sure that our hearts are in the right place. Not only when we give and when we pray, but Lord, when we fast. God, we recognize it's easy for our flesh to start dictating things. It's easy for our pride to rise up and start trying to gain approval and recognition. But Lord, we're of a mindset today that the only recognition and approval we need is from God alone.